Good morning and welcome back to the Explicit Measures podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. Hello, everyone. Oh, yeah. It's been a while. Good morning. We did a couple of recorded episodes. It feels like it's been forever since we've talked again. I think it's going to be even longer, too, because I know we have more vacations. It is good to see you guys. I have missed you. I was in Milwaukee. Guys, I've seen the light. So I just got back from vacation. Milwaukee's really nice, right? I've heard of Chicago. Yeah, well, I went with my family, people from New York, and I have been convincing them for two years to go to Wisconsin for vacation. Okay. I had no idea why. I didn't know why. I just know that everyone in Chicago does it. Hmm. And oh my goodness, we are in Door County. Oh, wonderful. It's a nice place. Great area. I've I've seen the light, uh, the best beaches, so I'm amazed. Have you been to northern wisconsin before never oh my gosh Tommy. never best kept secret ever anywhere man seriously and the beaches on um we were in like jackson port it's like white sand a little cold water i'm like this is better than florida because it's not as busy and then i also Mm. got the spotted cows or maybe 72 of them because (laughs) so but it's good to be back the anxiety set in as soon as i got back on what i miss well a happy Tuesday to you, gentlemen, and I'm glad we're back live. Um, Tommy, you know, love love the fact that you explored the northern Wisconsin area, especially up on the peninsula there. It is, they do have beautiful beaches mm-hmm. for about a month or two a year. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then you just don't want to hang out on the beach. It gets cold. Probably or yeah. Um, or maybe you do, and that's why we have the polar bears where right into freezing water. And that's true. A great time. I mean, this has been the year to go do that because it's been very hot in our area and it's been very dry. So it's been like nice warm weather, good time to be at beaches and hang out in near an area where there's water and stuff like that as well. We are also going up north as well here in the next couple days. So we'll go up to Sheboygan for some family stuff. And our kids are extremely excited. They have found someone on the internet in YouTube. Oh, surprise, something on YouTube that my kids want to watch. Um, and they found uh, this gentleman who goes around and searches for things like treasures and has a metal detector. Oh, yeah. So the kids pooled nice. their money together and purchased a metal detector off of Amazon and we're going to the beach. And so they're going to just Gosh. go roaming around with a little tiny metal, a little handheld metal detector and kind of trying to find things. So they're getting like, where's, where's my snorkel? Where's my goggles? Like all this stuff so they can go hopefully find a whole bunch of treasure. Uh, in the in the ocean or in, in the, the lake, ocean, I guess. Or in the lake. That, uh, so so we'll see what happens. They're like, we have to go where a lot of people are. So they drop their wedding rings or rings or whatever. I'm like, oh, okay, kids. Sure, we'll try this. Whatever out. you want so, us. Yeah. Exactly. So if I come back and I'm retired, you know they they found something good. Sweet. Anyways, that'll be should be super fun. Good fun times, explorations in the summer. So it should be fun. Yeah, <laughs> we have a Power BF Park says in the chat, make sure to bury some small coins for them. You just oh, run out there and throw, that's a, throw a handful of coins. That's a great idea. Yeah, I'm, I, you know what? I'll it's, do that. You stay here. Let me make sure that the beach is okay first. Right? Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Uh, I will make sure that there is no... Uh, I'm pretty sure they won't watch the podcast, so we're, we're pretty safe here. We can talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, exactly right. I like it. That's cool. Excellent. Um, okay, let's talk about... We kind of have an interesting opener today. Um, today, we have um, an article that came from Chris Webb. Again, his stuff is always very detailed and incredibly um, 
informative, I guess I'll call it. It's, it's just, there's always so much, I, the amount of times I go back to Chris Webb's blog and re research and, and uh, review what he's done, he fits very well with our topic today. But today we're going to talk about uh, Chris's topic around performance testing, the Power BI data lake and data models inside Fabric. That's what his, his article is. So again, not, it's a bit of a mouthful, a lot going on there. But he starts really going in deep on the, the capabilities of what Microsoft Fabric does as it relates to Microsoft Fabric. And I really, there's a couple things that point that stuck out to me in this article. There's this concept of what he's calling data hotness. The ability of being able to see if the data is recently been read. And there's actually a scoring system inside, and this might have been one of his other articles, there's a scoring system inside Power BI that as a column gets read, and if it gets read multiple times, it basically gets some kind of score. And a really interesting note here, when he starts talking about this concept of data hotness, it says, using the direct lake as a data set, Power BI can page individual column segments, dictionaries, and join indexes into memory on demand, which this is really cool. I really like the, what's going on here. Like, this is an amazing feature, I think. Like, it's literally picking out the individual columns it needs to run the pages or queries. It's not having to load the entire data model all at once, which I think is really cool. That's a t-shirt. That's for sure. Really? Data hotness. Oh, data hotness. Oh, that's right <laughs> up your alley. That's right up my alley. Fab Fabricator. Data I'm hotness. all five levels of data hotness or whatever all he was levels? talking about in the article. They rank me a 10 out of 10 in data hotness. <laughs> 10 out of 10 data analysts agree. Something like that. Oh, that's great. I yeah. can't believe how um, Chris even put together the test itself, much less running it. You know what I mean? Because like, we're going through fabric and we're mm -hmm. like, where would you start in terms of like, wh what am I going to load first? How am I going to evaluate it? But it's incredible. The sh I'm more impressed and I think blown away with the structure in the, in a sense, the, um, I guess his setup to go about it than anything else here. Yeah. I mean, I, it, I like how he pays to be close to the product, I guess. That's true. <laughs> That's true. But I mean, I think, he's also, he's doing stuff though. Like he's going in here he's actually writing like DAC studio and, and little, little snippets here to kind of help you out. Yeah. So overall his, his explanation of things is, is always been spot on. Amazing. Right? And this, this article is the same as all his others. So like foundationally it's fantastic. It's a great read. Go, go read these levels of like hotness, right? Because they're, his whole point is they're going to impact how like the performance that you're going to get out of a direct lake connection mm -hmm. um, in pure Chris fashion. He tells you exactly how to go do this or start testing it through deck studio. Um, what I found uh, particularly interesting though, is there, there is this use case where you, you can fall back to direct uh, query. Yes. Right. So I think the whole, like there's two parts of the article that stuck out to me. One is the very final thing. Direct Lake is still in preview, right? So everything he's telling you to do is in here, like it is gonna rapidly change because they're gonna make improvements to this entire system. Um, it's, it's like, just be aware as you go along, if you catch this in six months to a year, it's probably not gonna be re relevant as it is today. However, 
one of the main sections he he calls out is fallback to direct query. And I, I just want to read through that one real quick because yeah, I like it. Even with a direct lake data set, there is no guarantee that your query will be answered in direct lake mode. Interesting. Mm-hmm. In as yet not fully documented scenarios, but basically if your data volumes are too large for the capacity you're using, Power BI will switch to using direct query mode. And I would like that one catches me because hopefully in this analysis or like I will have to have some monitoring to validate and make sure that whatever capacity I'm at, like, am I going to get a warning that all of a sudden I just flipped into direct query mode, you know, because like that having having issues like come Mm -hmm. up out of nowhere and reporting this is this is a new one. This Bad one would point. be like another big check in the list of like why are my reports running slow? Yep. And and if you're you know using direct lake in the future, like this would be one of those that like checks my top box as far as like did I just hit some threshold with my because That's dealing crazy. with large data volumes, right? If you instantly go from like oh you're out of capacity now you're in direct query, oops, okay, like can I? How do I limit that? How do I stay under that threshold or just, you know, do I expand exponentially? Anyway, that was the one that kind of was a warning bell for me and my future endeavors uh, along the way here. That's and crazy there, that I switched to the query. You would never know. Well, well I need to know. You need to know. My point is I got to figure out how I need, how I, I know. Find out. Like, how do you know when it's doing that switchover? I, so I, so what I, but he does he does also note here that this is like for very large data sets. I mean, so yeah. depending on what kind of fabric capacity you buy, these things could be quite large in size. But this is actually going to be more important to your point set there. You need now more monitoring as when this model runs or when this report is running, what is it trying what are the queries doing on the report itself and how are those queries impacting the, the larger effort of the partitions, the model, the columns that you have together. So I mean, it's 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 tying together a more direct link between the model and what's be- being rendered on that report page. Because if you have a a smart way of rendering that report, for example, you're you're pre-applying a filter. You're not giving everyone a large date range day one, or when you open the report, you can actually do some things to kind of cut that out a little bit. So that way, users are forced to select something to get larger volumes of data. I, I just, yeah, my mind goes to, it'd be nice to have an indicator of when the report switches from this direct lake to direct query mode, um, and then have it at least let us know so we can go figure out which queries on the page are doing that. I, I would assume yeah. if we're in desktop and we're doing something like this with Performance Analyzer, there'd be something in there that would start showing me some different statistics. But again, it might be a bit tricky as to when it actually turns on or not. We don't know. If you had a data refresh in the background, that probably could impact it. If you have a notebook running somewhere in Fabric, it's taking away capacity in the cores, you might run into the issue. Right? It, it could be something along those lines. It'd be interesting to see I how mean, this pans out. On, on the plus side, you know, thinking conversely, right? If 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 I have some user that's just like, ah, actually, I found, somehow figured out how to like give me everything, mm-hmm. and then it just pops into direct query, like as opposed to not like throwing out a memory and not having access to the data, like, okay, well maybe, maybe that is a, a benefit, but yeah, I don't know. Either way to, it's, it's an interesting one. I'll have to think through. You bring up an interesting point there, Seth, because 
I think there at some level there is a behavior modification step here that's occurring as well, right? If you try to ask for data in an inappropriate way, I kind of want it to take a little bit longer. I don't want you to right. do that. Right. <laughs> right. I, right. I kind of want you to like... I'll do it for you, but... <laughs> yes, it's going to cost you, right? There is an expense to it. So anyways. Bless you, Mike. Bless you. <laughs> Sorry, I was sneezing there. Anyone Bless could pick up the conversation after I'm done. Just just wait there, okay? That, or that too. Just well, nice there wasn't a really good well, Yeah, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, goodness. I, I was trying to hold off the sneeze as long as I could. I, I just couldn't keep it anymore. Uh, All right, let's move on. So I think this also... So Chris Webb does a great job in the article. Thank you, Chris, for the article. Very well written. Um, definitely gives some insights here around what's going on in this direct lake versus direct query mode. I also really thought here, this dovetails very well with our article for today that we're talking about, is because Chris actually goes through a very detailed way of, here's my method for testing this, this pattern. He talks about preparation. He talks about, okay, to, to test state one, I did these things. To test state two, I did these things. To test state three, I did these things. And he kind of progresses his way through as he continued to walk through his testing procedure on how this works. Well, that brings us to our article for today, which again, being that I'm a mechanical engineer by trade, this article really makes me happy. It's called uh, Data Patterns, well actually it's Data Patterns here, but the article name is The Root Cause of All Problems in Analytics. Very interesting article. And it starts talking about initially uh, some methods by which you can look at your data problems and start analyzing it down till the root cause. Let's just uh, start there. We'll kind of maybe just give a quick introduction around the article. Tommy, you want to give us some kind of initial thought points, some key elements here of what this article is starting to talk about? Yeah. And I'm not who it comes lie. from. Oh, yeah. Let's go who <laughs> it comes from, too. <laughs> yeah. So I will do my best with the name. So the, the name of the author of this article is... Uh, Erst. Erst. Um, yeah, like I said, um, we're going to do our best here. E R G E S T. Erst. Yeah. Zelabadi, maybe. X. That's a great. That's a great. Um. Uh. Try it, that Seth. Thank you. That's actually it's closer than I was going to get. Uh, he's basically wrote this article, and it's on the on the foundations or on the shoulders of two other call them systems uh, architects um, but go really going through the idea of if anyone's ever heard of the um, theory of constraint or the logical thinking process which is not just um, for what you think it's really based on systems but you if you initially read it you'll think okay this is all engineering this is all it or computer science absolutely not it's actually really based on anything that's a system which basically is defined as it has constraints it has a leader it has an objective um and this whole in a sense methodology principle goes through on how do you set a goal and achieve something but more importantly how do you actually find when something's wrong with a system whether mm -hmm. it's in an organization whether it's the goal that you're trying to reach um and how do you identify it and how do you attack it so this is can be applied obviously from an it again engineering point of view but the majority of the examples actually from the um the original author is business-based culture-based or like uh you know people-based mm -hmm. so, so i like in yeah. the very beginning of the article i think he does a really good job of saying 
Hey, before we really begin talking about all the idea here, the, all, all the ideas that's going on with this article, right? It, it says, before we begin, here are some details that are important to understand or key principles around, he's calling it TOC, Theory, theory of, of Constraints. constraints. Yeah. yeah, okay. I was just making sure I, I defined that one there correctly there. Um, number one, if a system functions as a chain of interdependent component, components, like step one, step two, step three, kind of like what Chris was doing, his testing method, you can find, you can find and strengthen the weakest link. That is, that is in that system, the constraint is the section of the links that are the weakest. And I just listened to a, a, a talk from Malcolm Gladwell, who was talking about weak link structures and strong link structures. And this also fits very well with that, right? If you, if you want to improve something, find where it's the weakest in that entire system and work on that weakest link that will then raise the bar for everything uh, in the system. You can, number two is you, uh, you cannot improve a system, a system by improving the components individually, mm -hmm. AKA the local optima, uh, because you are limited by the weakest link. If a chain has a weakest link, it doesn't matter how much you strengthen the other links. You're always dependent upon that weakest link. I think that's another really good one as well. Um, the other assumption here is all systems operate in an environment where there is a cause and effect. And then in those more complex systems, it's almost nearly impossible to discern due to different feedback loops and actions of independent agents, outside sources. So you, you try and think of, you know, we're kind of assuming these are cause and effect based situations. And then lastly, number four, he says, almost all problems you encounter in daily interactions are most systems with not actual problems rather than symptoms of a few root causes. And I'm going to, I like the word here, root cause, uh, because whenever I'm working around my house or doing things around the house, I'm always like, I'm always trying to find what was the cause of the problem and fixing that. And, and as you have kids, you'll find that there are a lot of weird behaviors that come out of them. And you're always trying to go about, okay, what was the root cause of this? Why, why did it, why did you trip over and fall over on your bike? Well, that was because you're riding sandals on your bike pedals. <laughs> this is a very real occurrence recently. They're very slippery or you're going to fall off or they're not very stable when you're riding on a scooter or a bike. Yeah. So let's not do that next time. Let's put on real shoes and socks and go ride our bikes and scooters then. So there's all these kind of like, my mind, I, I always think to root causes and much to the, I guess, chagrin of my family, uh, they don't like it when I always do root cause analysis yeah. on every yeah. little thing. But at, but at the same time, like the final sentence of that thing is in TOC nomenclature, they're called undesirable effects, right? Like, yes. hey kid, hey. <laughs> like this this is what happens there's yeah. a there's a breakdown and uh, an undesirable effect <laughs> happens face on pavement undesirable effect right. let's figure out how to fix that like that's not a good idea well what i love there's really two systems i think that will kind of set up today there is the goal tree and then this idea of the current reality tree so with any system or any problem and every i think every developer here is going to love the next phrase i'm about to say but it's an appreciation for systems and there's no way to identify the root problem or to identify what can be improved unless you identify the system goal. And the idea of the goal here is a little different than what I think we've ever used in terms of when we've talked about goals and objectives. But really the goal is just one objective that is trying to achieve. It's not an activity. It's kind of like an, an end point. Um, so it's not so much like a, a process that's going on, but it's actually somewhere that someone's trying to go. If that makes sense. 
that's so that's a little different than when we always say like um you know like our goals very specific goals right like this is going to get into the weeds a bit and i know we're already there but like i i just i had i had one thought around like the four points here that even outside of us delving deep into the analytics analyst space right data Mm -hmm. space there there are two parts of this on a daily basis that i think all business users should should pay attention to one is this weakest link mentality right yes because this this chain of how business processes work in general whether it's a manual process whether it's automated and data people interact with this i think more so but like the the number four is where if it is most valuable if you start thinking about why is it that like all of a sudden my team is dealing with like 30 bugs a day on something rather than dealing with just the 30 bugs a day, like thinking through what could be the cause of something, right? Is really important to solving the right problems in a business and making sure you get to spend the time where you need it and remediate the the challenges that pop up and this kind of weakest link thought and finding root cause problems and trying to solve those is something that I don't see enough of in business, right? I, I see a lot of what what we would term like what virtuous waste, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yes. right, where, where you just, yeah, you're working hard, but do you need to, right? Like, can you work hard and then solve the, the something downstream that is going to alleviate all of this pressure that you're feeling, you know, or all of these, these, you know, pieces of work that have to get out the door. And I think just having this clarity around that, like in the back of your head, like, is this a root cause problem or is this just, you know, one of the things that we have to deal with? Anyway, I think, so. and also, no, I really, I want to hang on that point there just a minute, Seth, because I think I also agree very much with that. One initial analogy that came to mind when you, when I started reading these the first time I read them, which was in, in those four sections of framework elements, the weakest link always felt like to me whenever I'm connecting to Power BI with an Excel file, or or I'm going from an, I'm I'm using an Excel file as a data source to Power BI. To me, that feels like you know if you think about your data sources and how they are reliable or not reliable at getting data into your system, right? There's different. I would say the quality of the data coming out of the different sources will vary very much depending on what controls you have inside that system to make sure that it's accurate and up to date. And Excel for me has been one of those, it's just been a boon of, it's just, it's challenging. It's just a different, like someone adds a column, they put data where, where I wasn't expecting it to. A, a number column now turned into a text column because someone added some numbers and text together in one field. Like it just always kept changing. It just became harder for me to work with. So I felt like, yeah, I can really resonate with the concept of the weakest link. And especially when you're talking about like getting data sets to refresh regularly right? Or you're doing a lot of data cleaning or cleansing to make sure that works. That's a really good, good practical example. Yeah. I thought that's what kind of first came to mind when I started thinking about that one or that portion. So Tommy, you kind of, sorry, we're going to go, we're going to jump back now to Tommy's point here, talking about the, the goal tree and how that works as well. I will say there's an image there about halfway down the page. I'm not going to share it here on the screen, but if you're reading the article or following along in the article that's in the chat window, I'd highly recommend looking at um, the image that's represented there. 
it's very well done and it really helps you talking about there are some things that are necessary conditions there are critical situations or critical success failures that you would observe here factors factors sorry i think i read that wrong critical success factors and then there's like the final goal or objective and this is interesting because this really frames out i think a lot of what i see happening inside organizations today where there are weaknesses in certain mm -hmm. blocks of this diagram and therefore we have mistrust with data things don't load correctly we start having like you know silos of data and pockets occurring because this methodology or at least this diagram isn't really helping that broader right the goal is analytics is used effectively in the by everyone in the organization that's that is the main goal and everything that we're talking about here in this diagram kind of builds upon this i really like this diagram i thought this is really cool it's actually a little like the okr framework because uh the the actual definition of a system's goal mm. Mm -hmm. is the result or the achievement toward what the effort is directed so it, it's not the effort itself it's not um in a sense going to be any activity but the underneath that you're going to basically have in a sense rooted underneath it are those critical success factors yes. those are kind of little high level items that each one has to be a critical um imperative um, um work and progress towards because if it's not, then the goal won't get done. So they're each in an integral link towards the goal actually become uh, getting completed. I really like that idea because what what hmm, the goal tree defines the goals of each each particular area, right? Like mm -hmm. you have the main goal or objective, and then you know uh, if we take down the step further to the critical success factors, the reason he's talking about those four points above is because if one of these five factors is is not done, right, is the mm -hmm. link, it's not going to work. Correct. Right. So by yes. creating this hierarchy of like, if we want to achieve this thing, here are the goals we set or objectives before us, and then while not necessarily like in this um, kind of goal tree. Tommy, you bring up almost, we could extend the goal mm -hmm. tree further and say, hey, if these are objectives that we have, what are our, what are our key results we need to right. tie into these to make this objective a reality, right? How do I flip this thing green in terms of uh, this overall objective within the organization to say, hey, at the end of the day, we're moving the needle in driving for, you know, what, what his top objective here is analytics is used effectively by everyone in the organization. Mm -hmm. I'm hearing a lot of our past conversations in reading the bubbles on this chart. Yeah. So, you know, bubbles here that, that bring true in my mind is, you know, does, does the value of, is the value of analytics clear and understood by everyone, right? Do we, do we all understand, take the actual extra effort, do analytics. We're going to, we're going to build some extra effort around uh, manipulating our data. Tommy, I hear you saying, I literally yeah. hear your voice reading this other one to me. Metric definitions are agreed upon everyone in the org, right? And that then funnels into key metrics are consistent everywhere and trusted, no matter what report we look at. Like if we talk about sales, we're talking about sales the same way. We just, we actually just ran into this major issue with a client where there are, there is a definition coming from finance around metrics in an organization. This is how we want to count things. But then the different business units will say, well, we, we, we count with 
active items. We, we, we don't count it without, we include it inactive and inactive, or, or we include canceled and active. So everyone had a different definite, a slightly different definition on what they were looking for. And again, it served their business unit, so it was needed. But we had to change the main definition of these phrases and say, okay, you weren't looking at, you know, total sales. You're now doing total sales, excluding this, 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 and this, right? Defining additional rich enrichment of a new measure or new calculation. So, right. you know, we, we, were, we were doing a bit more to enhance the conversation around communication, around what that key metric was. This is, this is really good. Yeah, and the, the slight difference for us when we think, when we normally think about a goal is we always think the it's always gets muddled i think whenever people say they need goals but i think this is probably the most direct way to say it is goals should be stated as a condition not um an outcome of an activity not as an action or an activity itself so an outcome of an activity yes yeah, i agree with that or mm -hmm. no uh, not as the action itself yes but be, right. it should be stated right. as a uh, so i think there's two examples here we'll say non-data examples uh, one goal for a company, increasing profitability now in the future, or um, a cost-effective improvement of the overall health of the community. So those don't have, in a sense themselves, inherently a number or an action tied to it. But mm -hmm. then that goes to, and again, the analytics is used effectively by everyone in the organization. Yeah, I mean, yeah. To, to your point, right? Like when we flippantly throw around like OGSMs and OKRs within an organization, organization like OKRs, there, there's a framework for how you develop those objectives and mm -hmm. those key results, right? Like they're just as gnarly and in the weeds as this gets, like as leaders building objectives within an organization, yeah, they are very similar to the types of goals that you see on this chart, right? Like mm -hmm. we need to, um, tier points they're they're more they're not nebulous they're directional right and in many cases they the challenge is how do you take that objective and break it down into the key result like into the the facets that you need to go implement within the organization because those are the things that are measurable in some way shape or form they're the actions that have to drive this larger objective and then you you see whether or not you were successful <clears throat> I think another thing that strikes me um, as I was reading this and, and looking at the goal tree um, is it, it I, I kept thinking of like a lot of the data maturity models that are out there where like you have a description of the, the certain area of business and where do you measure up and then like the actions you need to take out of that. Um, this seems to be much more kind of specific in the objectives in like the hierarchy of like, I, I'm building this, I'm building all the components I would need to reach my goal versus an understanding like uh, a new company trying to understand like, where do I land in this, you know, data world? And I think the maturity models that I've seen out there give some of that like first step in the direction towards building out something like this goal tree. What I really like to, and then I think you guys don't know what I'm talking about. I have no idea, man. I, <laughs> okay. I is above my intelligence. So, Mike, I think this is above may... my pay grade. I think is that what you're yeah. saying? All right, let me see if I, I can find a quick link. No, I I've I been really appreciate it. I, I'm getting hung up on 
to me right now, like looking at this, I'm, I'm getting hung up on, I really like this diagram. And when I read through the blocks and how they interdepend upon each other to, to build the tree structure down to the main objective, I'm thinking, how would I have ever gotten to this on my own? Would I, would I ever, like, I could articulate parts of this, but I don't think I would have been able to put together such a well-crafted, like, you know, here's the main objective, analytics is used by everyone, here's the five key pillars that we would think we would need to, you know, lean on. I mean, everything in here we've talked about, like there's this whole series of bubbles around data quality. And I'm like, yeah, hundred percent, right? Data quality has to be monitored. Step one. Yep. Once data quality is monitored, you'll be able to find issues. Okay. Issues are resolved quickly. Great. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Once issues are resolved quickly and there are policies and procedures in place to help you enhance and grow the quality of the data, you now have the outcome of data quality now remains high. Now, I, I talk yeah. about these things in a slightly different way, but like this whole area or bubble around data quality supports the idea that key metrics can be trusted. And, and I really like the idea of like this stacking of ideas to get to a, a, a different, like the outcome based of what that means. This, this is a very logical way to go about, I think, things that we talk about all the time. Yes. And, and why... As as I'm sitting here, I'm like, man, I should I should have done something like this a long time ago. It's a good that's thing that's what that I'm thinking. Came too. up with this article because yeah. there is a cause and effect for everything. Yes, right. Yes. And and the longer you're in business, the longer you understand this, right? Like if you if if an organization chooses not to invest in these areas, right? Yes, these are not objectives to you, right? Right. And the then the effect is going to be you're not going to have this thing. Yeah. Right. If or it's or it's a sub. It's like right. a, a partial, it it's like not quite fully baked. If this is important, yes, and this is where we need to focus some time mm. because we want to reach this level. If we don't reach this level, then we can't get to the next level, right? And mm. and to lay it out in such a straightforward way, like regardless of using this specifically, I can see using something like a goal tree very soon. Right? <laughs> like, just say like, mm -hmm. all right. Here, here's progressively how you have to build upon the successes of something else. And with data, it is absolutely that way, right? Mike, to your, to your point, um, our, one of our goals is to ensure that there is data quality and um, governance around data sets um, that come out of this business unit. Okay, well, like if you're looking at a Power BI file that has Excel documents all over the place, like that's, and it's manually refreshed and you're doing all these things like those are are things that are not accepted in that that one of these boxes right we mm -hmm. have to get rid of that we have to get to an automated standardized way for the data yes and then we move on to the next step right then we can put qualities around it then freshness freshness timings and all the, all these other things but i can't get to step two without doing step one mm -hmm. and and so much of getting to this point where we can declare victory around like data quality and governance or reach higher levels of satisfaction throughout the organization, you know, related to all of these high level objectives we talk about, like data literacy, you know, adoption, all these things. It's, it's one of those things that's very easy to talk about and, and business, I think, thinks their data quality is a lot better than it is, but in, that's so in, true in the spectrum of, all of the business, it's really not that great. 
Seth, that's a really good point because I think a lot of times we always see it goals, whether it's for the organization, our team, or for ourselves on a, on a chronological kind of framework where it's like we will get here in February and we have to do those things in order to get there in this order, like kind of like a scrum where this framework and this last kind of piece of that with um, those critical success factors is finally the things we're going to measure, right? Where it's the necessary conditions are either yes or no, or there's something that's actually quantifiable, which comes to us. But think about something like you said, like how do you, we always get tasks like we need to improve our data culture or we need to uh, increase, we're paying all this for Power BI. And we're always starting with these branches where if we could actually put in this framework where the first two items here are not necessarily directly measurable and nor do they have in a sense a, a, a path, right? Where it's like, we have to do step one, then step two to step three. All of our uh, critical success factors, so getting people to use Power BI, um, getting usage at a, a center of excellence are essential to it. Yes. Yeah, and, that's, a, yeah. that's a really good point there because this is one thing that I'm finding very recently in my experience right now is when I look at different organizations and what they're trying to manage, everyone wants good quality data, everyone wants reports serving the needs, Everyone wants metrics and, and information that's consistent across the team. But what we're not doing is we're not looking at, okay, well, we've built, we've spent a lot of money and or effort on these reports and or objects, but we're not able to accurately monitor the usage, the right. consumption, the activities that are occurring inside our environment. We don't know what people are doing. And more and more, I'm recommending when you start doing a Power BI project, if you're going to be serious about it, first step, start collecting data. Start collecting what people are doing inside your environment because you do need to know which re which reports, workspaces, and artifacts that are being generated in Power BI are being used the most. What the the one of the things that is just striking me here is this this is one of those articles. So th thank you, I guess, for for writing it. That is why I love this conversation with you guys and the audience every every Tuesday and Thursday is it brings it brings to light different approaches to enhance our daily work. Um, and one of those that like, it's too often, I think that we aren't thinking strategically. And recently, one of the things I'll share is, um, I always take, like, I always have an attack list for the day. And I use that in OneNote. All right, and I think we talked about this in the past, but it recently, I've, I've altered it a little bit to be three parts. I always have an execute. Those are the things that need to get ha need to happen, you know, today or within a certain time frame. Um, I have a planning section, so I have a bunch of planning tasks, and those are inter like not interrelated, but uh, a different part of like what I have to do as an organ. But the other third part is strategy, and where this one mm -hmm. comes in is this is a strategy idea. Like this is how do you continually push the needle as anyone in the org right but particularly people who are responsible for objectives or hitting goals you always have to keep in mind are we are we working towards one of these objectives are we and, and this goal tree i think is something that i'm absolutely going to start to implement or at least figure out how this logical flow of like i should be able to tie in results to these things and this rolls up to my objective or whatever the case may be um, within the organization. But it just strikes me as that, like, this is one of those great, like, hey, maybe maybe I spend more time just flushing 
out what the goal is in these, these particular areas related to obviously the world we live in, which is data. Mm -hmm. So that's, you're actually going on to kind of that current reality too, right? Where when we're trying to identify a problem or something that not necessarily the undesirable effect, but we have a system. And one of the things that's kind of really talked about is any process or system we put in place, center of excellence, access to data is going to have two types of effects. Mm -hmm. ones or potentially three the ones that we're intending but there's always going to be the unintended which are usually the undesirable effects because they are just kind of they always grow the processes that grow out of the system so to speak which to your point like when we're trying to attack a lot of times we're you know trying to attack the root like oh do you want more usage okay we'll do that or oh these reports the data is wrong well Rather than just going to that report and editing it or telling people to put these filters, trying to take that step back and kind of say, okay, what system or is in place right now that's causing this to happen uh, uh, um, repetitively? Like, but yeah, but I think I think that's that that's what I'm and also what, like, yeah. referring to is not this isn't just net new stuff, yeah, really, right? Is taking this methodology of like, okay, you know. What, what is my ideal? How do I want my, my area to grow? How do I want this project to look? Versus, and you can do that against existing implementations too, right? To figure out where the breakdown is. And I think he goes into that in, a, in the next tree of tree, um, specifically where it's like it, talking through like the, if the, if, if the goal tree is the, um, the ideal, right? What is, what is current reality? Right. And this the current reality tree is going to be just as, uh, I think, granular from a logical perspective, but in the negative. Right. If, the, mm -hmm. if that's how I read through things. Yeah. I mean, it's it's in the negative, but this is also, I think, a helping to identify what is the root cause of why one of your goal tree elements or where, you know, when we when we say we don't have quality of data, you know, you hear that word. Right. The, I can't trust this data. There's no quality in it. Right. The current reality tree is kind of like that opposite thinking. You start at the bottom of this tree and kind of work up with the what is causing the problem, right? So you 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 know the, if if I go into this tree thinking the mindset is I have poor data quality, and then you read from the bottom of the tree and work your way up. Okay, is my is the reason we have poor data quality is because everyone does not know how to use the analytics? No, we we done the training. It it should be it should be clear, right? Um, the analytics, the value of analytics is opaque and not understood. No, we have a, we have a charter. Okay, so it looks like we kind of understand that part. Uh, Murphy's law causes systems to break. Okay, it's just part of, you know, things happen, right? People enter in weird data, it's going to break. Or maybe we find, okay, maybe the, the engineers in our team are making frequent changes to systems. Maybe those changes are causing problems. So it actually, it kind of walks you through like, okay, thinking through these steps, these are the reasons why, you know, halfway up, you may, you see there's a, you know, quality in issue, uh, data quality issues go unnoticed and unfixed. Maybe that's part of the problem, right? We, we have some process in place, people are doing things, but we're not actually monitoring and we're not fixing data quality problems. Therefore, the data quality deteriorates, we lose trust. And then all the way at the very end, it goes all the way up to the very top of this, the same way that the goal tree worked. It basically says at the very final step, if if this stuff starts failing at any point in time here, right? If any one of these arms of this tree fail, we start eroding trust in our data. And eventually the organization says, 
I, I'm losing interest in having good data quality. I'm losing interest in being data driven because it's so hard for us because we don't know what it's, we're not making a clear analysis output. Does that make sense? It absolutely does. Because yeah. but this is also whether, whether it's, you know, these, these dependency trees, right, are a good, like, logical way to build these things out so that yeah. they're a visual, the same way it's having an impact on us in in how we're like, oh, yeah, like, duh. like a lot of the things we've talked about, like, align with this, is bringing clarity through a visualization like this to a business that says, hey, how, if you're stuck in this state, if you're starting to lose interest, why? What are the, What are these main things mm -hmm. that are, like, all of a sudden, you're you're saying our 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 quality is is not good. It's deteriorating. Hmm? Well, why? Like why? understanding well, there's yes. ten different things that you could do to start to fix those, and then the the value of fixing those comes up to a solid point that you can move on. Yeah, I like that. This I, is I, the hard I, part though with people because I think a lot of times with <laughs> going into with people, it's always hard with people. But I think let's say you go into the office tomorrow and you've completely like digested this like kind of framework, and they say, you know, hey, the, we're looking at the data in our sales report; it's wrong. It's been wrong every other week for whatever reason. Fix it, and you start going in, going, well, let's try to identify the root cause here. Let's kind of you know start building this up. You do need other people throughout this process to either agree that you're not going crazy, um, that these are actually true effects that are occurring, but then it's actually helping you break down like, is this just occurring because the report's bad? Or is it bad because of someone not inputting their information? Is it a, techno a technology thing? Yeah. And really breaking down, but also for the users too, to break down why are you guys getting faulty data sometimes? Or why huh? are our growth not go uh, increasing? Um, but you do need uh, the team user department to at least agree on, okay, this is the problem we're seeing. It, it, I really do love, I almost, I think I almost love that this current reality queue more and especially what you've been saying is in terms of, you know, let's identify together. Let's in that, let's kind of identify the root cause here. So I look at this current reality tree and think, wow, this is very well put together, but I'm also thinking about, okay, what if I had to just start this over from scratch? Where would I start from? Like how would, how would I build my own version of this or for whatever else I may need? Again, this one really focuses on like data quality metrics and making sure people understand the value of analytics, right? Those are kind of the key areas this thing is addressing. So I'm trying to take this example and or the goals tree and overlay this against something that I've actually done, right? How would I have written this? When do I find something is a root cause and how would I work my way back from doing my analysis and documenting it in a way that communicates that back to leadership. Here's what we did. Here's a failure or a part where we have identified weakness and then kind of basically being able to rebuild this chart specific for my situation. Let me give you an example here. Yeah. Let's, let's think about this Excel file causing problems in my data, in my data system. Right. So what typically would happen for me, which would be is I would, build something on top of Excel, I would publish the report, it would get shared via whatever. And then what typically would happen is I'll get a message from someone or a team and say, hey, this report doesn't refresh. So immediately I have an input, I have some 
element that says, okay, I need to start investigating why is this report not refreshing or the numbers don't look right. I'm, I'm listening for that kind of notice, right? So already we've already had a, you know, a refresh issue. The metrics are not right. You know, there's, there's already a higher level item here, but that's not the root cause. The root cause is not, it didn't refresh. We had to go one layer deeper. Okay, so what recent changes did we do? Um, where which of the sources of data did I have that it actually failed on? Which table did it actually fail on? So you go, I kind of like walk my way down until I find, okay, this data set is not refreshing because, you know, the credentials timed out. Great. Now I have a, a step here to say, okay, the credentials timed out on this data source or someone left the company and they're no longer there. Those credentials now to be, need to be re-entered. How do we solve that moving forward to in, to basically say, enabling that to not be a blocker in the future or we go other we get down even further and say okay we were our we were relying upon an excel source and the data changed therefore it broke some of my data engineering steps in power query that then caused the data set to, to fail you know we had a duplicate number in a column so all these things can be broken down to like what is the root cause of these things and i'm trying to in my mind think through as i'm walking through that deep uh that root cause analysis, to me, it starts with, I could identify on this um, current reality tree, any bubble in the middle. That's kind of where I get involved. I get involved at a bubble somewhere in the middle of that, of that chart. And I have to work my way from that middle area further to I'll, until I actually find the root cause. So in my mind, I'm thinking like, if I'm gonna build these for other people or customers or for me, I, I would have to start with a, what are common known patterns that I understand today that make things fail? Start there and work my way back to the different middle tiered element and build out the tree beneath of it, the roots essentially. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think you could you could definitely do this on the granular level with specific tools or like the specific connections or specific ways you're implementing things mm -hmm. because there there likely is that chain that we talked about right like yes. there are depend dependencies that we we would deem unacceptable in a in in a system that would we would call this right so I, what I don't know is like a lot of this is a, a step above it's a little higher level right mm -hmm. that that speaks to larger swaths of hey we need to uh we need to increase data quality or or the quality of of data that comes through so therefore we have 10 different third-party systems that we ingest data on we yep. want to make sure we understand the business logic and the rules and identify whether or not there's bad data coming into the system right that's a this, it's a huge task right versus totally what great. you're de defining would be the same thing in if I want to reach a goal, uh, maybe this is the thing. It depends on the goal, right? So if your goal is I like all of these reports should reach a certain level if they're going to be deployed to this workspace, we call them certified. In order to do that, here's the dependency tree underneath that. And I think that's where your comments about knowing the, the good or bad parts about how something is implemented, you mm -hmm. could have a goal tree and say, this is what it looks like. And then several of these um, you know, current reality trees are like something that is a placeholder goes along that. Hey, if you build a report in this way, this is your current reality. If you build a report in this way, this is your current reality. How do you get out of your current reality into this goal framework? I think is the piece that's, um, I don't say missing, but I didn't find in here. It's like, Hey, if I have these goals, 
how does that butt up against what my world looks like right now? Because I would need to plug into one of these kind of objectives in order to fix that current reality and move towards a larger goal. So I think a, a big thing is they talk about the weakest link. So I don't know. And in terms of you were to identify the root causes or the things that you can control, because Mike, I think a, a lot of the things you're saying is it's not, I don't want to say personal, but that's like, okay, my development, my reporting. And I think I honestly go, reading through this, I was thinking more of this on like an enterprise or adoption mindset and it's like oh no i can apply this to my just my daily life or you know well, I, was, I was taking it personal initially to kind of relate it to something that i do right now but i think you're right tommy like i think the the intent here is to take something that you understand personally mm -hmm. internalize the learning of like the value these things can bring both the goal tree and the current reality tree and then saying okay now that i understand how to how i would build and or utilize these things for what i'm doing let's extrapolate into what the organization is doing, right? The goals will be bigger to your point, Seth, right? The goals are bigger. The objectives are larger. We're talking about bigger outcomes across many team members and many different teams. But I think the bigger thing when it comes to, if when you now, if you were to say tackle this with a group of people, whether it's your team or stakeholders, um, one of the biggest things that you have to have is obviously that agreement, but also there's that realization that there are some things that are just out of your control. Even if you've identified a root problem, it's again, we're, you're not talking to computers where you're like, you know, you are the error kind of thing. Um, and trying to understand, okay, what's in our, what can we do now? And at least try to chop down this idea of the weakest link. Um, I the kind of the idea is if you were to look at five issues, five causes um the idea is you're only as good as your weakest link we know that cliche but that is like hammered in um in the idea of the undesirable effects where you will never get to your goal you will never fix the problem unless you at least start with the lowest hanging fruit or the like the lowest constraint that's within your power which is kind of another way to tackle i think the things that we do both from the development and then when we are trying to do the soft skills and um the 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 gray area of what we do is you know rather than trying to ta tackle everything now which is usually my tendency where it's like well we do need more adoption i think we need more support it's like well what's the biggest issue let's identify the issue that th my team and sales agrees on and let's say okay we need to focus on improving this first because this the it is the worst of all the links uh so far so we need to strengthen this then we'll move on to whatever the weakest is after that which i think is yes. a good way too with yes it's, it's so funny because like even what we do in in bi um how many times have we said this like we don't have a lot of our own internal reporting um in terms of like looking at our own success factors mike you and i were talking a few days ago on so, uh, the podcast itself. And I was like, man, I think there's a, maybe we could do something here. It's like, show me a number kind mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, that to me, this goes back to something I've said on, you know, I, I think part of our role when, when fabric coming in and AI is that ability to be a leader in this kind of framework too, because it, this all comes back to some numbers that we're going to quantify and those, um, um uh, necessary components or those nc's and that's a great report i mean that in terms of building a report off of these goals but everything becomes something off your measuring yeah and I, and I think a lot of things here we're talking about here is there's a lot of you know behavioral 
movements here that we're talking about. And again, we're talking about system architecture. And the neat thing about what's being applied here, I think I like these frameworks, these mental frameworks that we're talking about here work very well for what, and again, the author here is really talking about analytical framework, which resonates very well with us. However, these frameworks can be applied anywhere. It's a framework. It could be applied in any kind of, you know, at home, other situations, different business units. It doesn't have to be focused only on analytics. So really, uh, really like this article and really found that this was very impactful for me. And I have to figure out how to incorporate some language or learnings around this in other exercises that I do with, with clients around this as well. Well, I think right now it's a perfectly good time to go ask ChatGPT uh, the real knowledge thing of all this, uh, figuring out what it really knows here about understanding a goal tree and a current reality tree. So I asked it basically, what are the advantages of the goal tree and current reality tree? And so here's kind of the response. The initial setup was here is defining what is the goal tree. The goal tree is a diagram that shows the necessary and sufficient conditions to achieve a desired goal. I thought that summarized that very well. The current reality tree is a problem solving tool that shows the different root causes and undesirable effects or symptoms that prevent you from reaching your final goal. So yeah, I like that and definition there because the current reality tree literally is, these are the things that have stopped you. These are the things that are going to block you from making your final goal a reality. And I, I like that. That's a good definition there. And then lastly, it says at the bottom here, the advantage of these tool tars are the, the advantages of these two, two tools are, wow, what a tongue twister. Uh, they help you think systematically and logically about your situation and help you think about your goals. They help you communicate clearly and effectively to others who are involved or affected by your process or what you're trying to reach toward your goal which I think is good too, right? We got to get people on board. Tommy, you were just talking about the people part of this is a challenge. Um, and then um, this, this, these tools also help you prioritize which actions and monitor your progress towards a goal, right? When we have metric issues or if we have data quality issues, we could actually stand back and say, okay, how do we measure that? What is the measurement of data quality? What does that look like? Uh, and then you can quantify that and you can then work towards getting a better number or a better measurement in that area, which I think I really like that idea as well. And then lastly here, they help you adapt to changes in your environment or in your organization by updating your analysis and or your solutions. I don't think the article talked about changing dynamics or, or things changing over time, but I think this does. This, I think this helps you get closer to... Um, the the data landscape is data landscape is ever changing. I think we see this even more now with fabric being introduced. We just saw a whole bunch of technology get lopped in our laps or dropped in our laps now, and now this is changing how we need to potentially think about our goals. Does does this change what we think about now? Because now our team can do more with fabric. Our team can do more data engineering as opposed to before where it couldn't. Maybe we can incorporate more of these goals. So well, I think this is. It's yeah. interesting. And I like that idea because, but at the same time, like that's where, that's why sticking, keeping up to date, doing R&D, right? Like things like that mm. could influence or impact how fast you can solve some of these higher level objectives, right? Like, and that's where the strategy component of this really strikes me because these aren't things that you're investing tons of time in every single day. But if you're, if you're always kind of keeping that high level strategy in your mind, 
right? You're plugging into those key parts, right? New technologies, new methods to, you know, perform something, like, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. It just feeds that long-term vision and helps you achieve those long-term goals because guarantee, like, your focus always wants to come in like, oh my gosh, what do we got to get done today or this yes. week? Um, and without without aligning a big those, picture yeah then yeah, you, you, you start missing them you can you can get focused in the weeds and just fixing right. the problem and not actually right. fixing the not making the solution mm-hmm. to fix the systemic problem that mm-hmm. is occurring over and over again and I, ironically the older you get time seems to just fly by faster <laughs> <laughs> and you're like oh wait i have a major objective i gotta hit in uh, two weeks <laughs> oh, yeah exactly well, with that, we, we definitely appreciate your time today. Uh, this went actually incredibly fast. Really good conversation. This was a great article. So um, thank you very much. I'm going to try and say the name again. Help me with the name, guys. Uh, thank you very much. We're saying Ernst? Ernst? Might be a good one, Ernst? too. Okay. Ernst. Thank you, Ernst, for writing a great article. We really appreciate you. This was a great article to read. Highly recommend you read it on your own. Internalize this a bit. See where this maybe will apply in your organization. Borrow the diagram. There's actually a couple great diagrams or images here that help you describe um, some key objectives or main goals of your analytics department, which you may want to borrow and and reuse. So uh, thank you very much. With that, we only ask you if you enjoyed this conversation, if you like what we're talking about here, if you learned a couple nuggets of uh, information here that you can take away from your daily job, we really would appreciate you sharing and or subscribing to our channel. It really helps us grow the audience and helps us uh, communicate this out to more people. With that, Tommy, where else can you find the podcast? You can find the podcast anywhere it's available, Google, Spotify. Make sure to subscribe and tell your friends. Uh, if you have a topic, an article, or question you want us to talk about, you can ask us. Go to powerbi.tips slash the podcast, and we have a mailbag for you to su- uh, submit your questions. And finally, join us live every Tuesdays and Thursdays, 7.30 a.m. Central. I keep thinking there's got to be some way of like you know doing this analyst uh, you know, is there any data patterns or things that I'm missing inside the context of the podcast? Or maybe there's some, maybe there's some major issues that we've been having here, some systemic problems that we need to address here on the podcast, like Michael getting up early enough to be able to get on the video and get everything started on time. <laughs> maybe there's some systemic problems I need to address. Here. Analysis of like why we have challenges. <laughs> <laughs> thinking, I'm thinking I need to apply this in other places. Yeah. Anyways, thank you all very much. We really appreciate your time. Have a great day and we'll catch you next time. Bye.